Yeah, it's true. There are key holders of the internet that can update the security of how names match to numbers on the internet. It's because you don't want one person with too much power on the internet. The world beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. Brought to you by Michael Mack. Hello, I'm Michael Mark, and welcome back to my podcast, The World Beyond the Emotion Years of Tomorrow. Today, my very exciting guest is Christian Dawson. He's a member of the board of director at the Internet Infrastructure Coalition, co-founder and executive partner at OpenEye, and one of the seven main key holders to the Internet worldwide. I'm thrilled to have you here and learn more about all things surrounding the world of the Internet. Thank you for joining, Christian. Michael, it's such a pleasure to be here. Excellent. Before I start with my quick four questions for you, I was um, um, hearing from my colleagues you had a problem with the Internet. That's funny. I did. It's funny because that's my job is to make sure the Internet uh, stays up and running. But my home router went down today. So um, we're really happy that it works right now. Um, let me um, allow to start with a quick round of four questions to get to know you a little bit more. Let's dive right in. Are you ready? I am ready. Let's go. One. What is your favorite hobby currently? I have been playing chess with my son. I got him a chess set for his 16th birthday. Two. A night owl or an early bird? Oh, am I a night owl or an early bird? I am early to bed, early to rise. It's a little boring. Three. What's a common misconception about the internet? Because we use terms like World Wide Web and like the cloud, people don't understand that it is real people working in real places, that it's about the people, that it's about the jobs. They think of it as something ethereal. Four. If you had one opportunity to travel in time, will you go into the future or the past? Oh, um, I want to see what's coming next. I'm always interested in new technology. I haven't thought of the future. Thank you. To begin the talk, I always like to challenge my guest with a provocative statement question. Will you allow me to provoke you a bit? Please do. Okay, wonderful. Here's my provocative question. We enter our most private details of every single aspect in our lives into the internet every day. Would it not be the right thing to switch the internet off? I mean, should we be afraid is maybe the wrong word, but... Do we actually know everybody of us using the internet? What are we actually doing and what data are we giving away? Oh, that's a great question. I think that we've normalized giving away way too much data. We have uh, very much made it so that our personal private space is getting smaller and smaller and we're allowing people to monetize it more and more. So those are the kinds of things that we could, should curb. We shouldn't be shutting off the internet. It would be really bad but we should shut off those types of practices. Think more about what we're giving, you know. When you're on social media, I try to avoid it as much as I can, but uh, it's a curse and a blessing, I would say. I mean, on the one side, we're very curious people. I think we want to look what other people are doing out there. I think the um, old KGB guys, they would be more than happy if Instagram existed back in the days so when they just um, didn't have to, to wait in a telephone booth till somebody was driving by or hiding in a restaurant. So um, I'm aware of um, what consequences lies in um, showing your private life. Uh, but on the other hand, it's a curse and a blessing. I mean, we do need um, the internet and I'm completely on your side. I'm just a little bit scared that people don't really think about it, what they're doing. And um, so I'm a little bit, you know, too hearted on this one. Well, I'll tell you what, you know, as somebody who champions the internet, 
and has the feeling that the internet can be the heart of innovation and connectedness, I've gotten myself off of social media. I find social media as an aspect of the internet to be very toxic. When I think of, I mean, I'm coming from a theme park and um, somehow we are a social place where people do meet and have great times. I know that you've been visiting with our common friend, uh, sir, in a couple of times with the world yes. hosting days that it was in the old many days, times. Yeah, many times. And uh, now the Cloud Fest. And so you're pretty much aware of this place. Um, let me just ask you to get you a little bit better because most of our listeners, I mean, we can dive deep immediately to go down into technical terms and talking about the internet as such. But I'm trying also to understand um, or make the people understand who is my guest in my podcast show. Sure. If I'm Googling you up, you are one of the seven holders of the seven key. That sounds a bit a bit like the Lord of the Ring thing. You, you're carrying it around your uh, necklace, uh, the, one of the rings, and I can steal it off of you. But give me a little glimpse of what actually are you doing. So I guess... In order to get to the point where I can explain the whole keys thing very well, let's at first do a little bit of basics on like what the internet is at its heart. They say that the internet is a, is a network of networks. So people have got their internal networks and they're connecting them in their trading traffic. At that point, there is a series of companies and they're the companies that I work with called internet infrastructure companies or cloud companies. And they rack and stack servers and data centers And they're the ones that house the websites, all the social media companies, your website, everybody else's website. And those websites have domain names. And the way that the domain names, people, when people search for the domain names, the way that they can get to the right place, the right server, is through something called the domain name system or DNS. So this basically internet phone book that directs names to numbers on the internet um, the rules and regulations for this DNS system are run by a place called ICANN. ICANN is a nonprofit organization, and it stands for the Internet Corporation for Assigned Names and Numbers. They match names and numbers on the Internet. So it's really important that this is a really secure system. So what ICANN has done is they've made sure that the DNS, this Internet phone book, has a security system and that no one person can like manipulate the security on it. Instead, they developed the system where they have seven key holders and then seven alternates. So this like 14 person group, they have to come together in a certain combination and they like fly to a certain place so they can update the security of the DNS. And so, yeah, it's true. There are key holders of the internet that can update the security of how names match the numbers on the internet like the most important system on the internet. It's fun to talk about it being a secret system. It's actually super not secret. They stream it online. They announce everybody who's a part of the system. And um, they're really open and transparent about it. But it's just so weird that like, it's worth talking about. What do you mean there are seven key holders to the internet? But the cool thing about it is, it's because you don't want one person with too much power on the internet. You want people to have to come together to make a decision. So talking to you right now, I mean, I'm interested in now. I mean, I was born into a family who's building roller coasters. Um, yeah. Did you just walk up to the grocery store and say, like, give me one of those seven keys? And uh, <laughs> how did you come to be one of the seven magical ones? Well, <laughs> the primary key holders which are listed right now, I'm not an active key holder right now. I ran the program here 
that we talked about at the CloudFest, those key holders went through the process of getting interviewed to make sure that they are trusted community representatives. And I've gone through the trusted community representative process. Basically, you apply and you go through sort of the nerd equivalent of a series of background checks <laughs> to make sure that you're trusted. Um, but again, this is a system where no one person can like spoil the system. So in a way, like even though you have to be a trusted member of the community and respected by everybody and trusted by everybody, at the end of the day, no one person can screw it up. Is it a kind of an honors thing if you just like did your things for the internet that it's like rewarding to be a key holder? It can be in that, you know, they end up meeting a couple of times in person a year. So um, you get free travel. To, it's usually to Los Angeles. If you like spending time in Los Angeles, it's great. They like to geographically distribute the keys. So if you're like in Australia and you like to go to L.A., Yeah, sign up to be a uh, key holder. And if you get chosen, you get those free trips. Um, but ultimately, it's a volunteer job. There are lots of volunteer jobs when it comes to running different small nerdy components to the internet because the internet isn't owned by anybody. It's not some like thing that like a couple corporations control. It's like open standards. So there's a lot of volunteerism on the internet. How many um, out of your, let's say, Elise Club... Uh, from actually coming from Europe. Is there anybody um, joined in from Europe? I have to look up the list right now, but I think no more than two. Okay. Yeah. And the ICANN is uh, registered, or was it placed actually in LA? Oh. ICANN is actually registered in LA, which is sometimes a sticking point. ICANN is a California corporation, nonprofit corporation. And how often do you meet? Like twice a year, three times a year? Twice a year. Twice a year. Mm -hmm. If we are looking at the internet now today, um, how many nonprofit organizations are using actually this infrastructure and how many um, doing it for business? Can you give us a percentage of what is nonprofit over the internet and what is profit? I don't think that I have um, specific stats on that. I do know that almost everybody these days has some sort of internet presence and a lot of them transact And when it comes to nonprofit organizations, the vast majority of nonprofit organizations these days are doing most of their fundraising online. And a lot of individuals do their fundraising online these days as well, like the GoFundMe campaigns and things like that. So there's a lot of philanthropic and uh, nonprofit funding um, that's out there these days. But the vast majority of commerce is for-profit commerce. I run a nonprofit um, called the Internet Infrastructure Coalition, or I2 Coalition. And our goal, we're a business trade association. So we fight for the needs of business, but it's not big conglomerates. It's not big telecommunications companies. It's small businesses that rack and stack servers and data centers that we fight for. We're a nonprofit that fights for for-profit businesses, but the small ones for their ability to continue to innovate. And one thing, quick note there, is that like the whole gist of what it is we do there is we try to teach legislators and regulators how the internet works so they don't do stupid stuff to mess it up. Because you can very easily mess up the internet with bad laws just by not understanding them. That sounds very big-hearted. I mean, we're living now in a day of uh, conspiracy theories and uh, 
especially through uh, social media, you hear like, oh, yeah, it's controlled by the Americans. And if they want, they can change um, the world by um, being active on, on changing things on the Internet. I mean, it was an invention coming from the military. Um, what would you yeah. say to those people who have no idea how this all functions? If I would come home to tell my mom, oh, listen, I had Christian on uh, my podcast, and she would say, like, oh, he's living close to Washington. I'm sure there's Joe Biden behind that telling him what to do, <laughs> and um, they want to control the world, and they want to rule the world. What would you answer those people who have no idea how, how this whole technical DNS icon thing is yeah. functioning? Well, I guess the first thing I would say is that social media is not the internet. You know, you've got a stack of really big and really powerful websites. The Facebook of the world, I guess now Twitter is called X. You know, so those types of platforms, they've got a lot of influence. They're run by some big and powerful people. But you can still start a small website with a small voice that's completely outside of that system. And you can try to get noticed. You can go ahead and put yourself out there to the world. Your theme park has a great website. You get out there into the world independent of social media. The stuff we do is to try and make sure that sort of the rest of the internet stays strong and you can keep on having small companies that innovate, even as a few outsized voices, you know, have a scary amount of power. So when you're looking back to your life, what was for you the most, oh, how did you get into all of that? Were you a fascinating uh, tech geek? Um, were you fascinating about this one worldwide web connecting the whole world? Let us know a little bit from you. Like, how did you get into all of that? What, what do you do every day? I mean, two times flying to LA can be all your life. You've been ta yeah. talking a little bit about the association, the Internet Infrastructure Coalition you're having to keep the internet free. Let the listeners um, understand a little bit who you actually are and how you got into sure. that and what drives you every day to wake up. Sure. When I came out of college, a friend of mine, one of my closest friends in college, um, he had an idea to start a web hosting company and he asked me to come help him. And I thought, you know, I'll go ahead and give it a shot. But eventually I'm going to go ahead and go work for a nonprofit or something like that because I want to help people. Um, this is early days. This is the late 90s. So I've been in this industry for a long time. I joined him at this web hosting company, which means that we are providing the infrastructure on which people's websites sit. So I started working with companies who wanted to like put up their first website, build their first business. They had ideas. Like one of the companies I worked with was Etsy. So like I helped in the early days of what Etsy helping the guy who was founding that company sort of articulate his first idea of how he is he was going to build that. Well, so I realized after a while that like as a cloud provider, you can help people put their dreams into reality. That's really cool. I did that for like 15 years. And um, about 11 years ago, there was this really terrible proposed bill in the United States Congress called PIPA SOPA, uh, which stood for the Protect IP Act and Stop Online Piracy Act. And it was basically going to put companies like mine out of business. It was going to make it so that any illegal activity on the cloud was going to be the responsibility of the cloud provider, which meant they needed to proactively monitor everything and be aware of anything illegal somehow that's happening on their network. Completely unreasonable. And it would have put a companies like that, us completely out of business. So we fought it. I pulled together 
um, with a colleague of mine, a big group of cloud providers to fight that. And we made a difference. We stopped the potential law. And then we sat around and we said, we did that because we all came together to educate people that like the internet is made of small businesses, that like you can't just push them all out. Solutions to problems don't work that way. And then we sort of said, well, the internet continues to need a voice. So like we, we turned our little grassroots uh, fight against this one law into a real trade association. And then I get to like keep doing good works, right? Because I'm still helping people like figure out how they can provide the infrastructure for other people's dreams. Excellent. So as I understand correctly, you are very strong in um, helping the with the Internet Infrastructure Coalition, which is a nonprofit organization to keep the Internet free. And on top of that, I think you help people with um, open eye to right. make business on the internet or what is open eye doing yeah that's a great question so uh yes i have two organizations that i run one is the trade association my nonprofit gig where i'm helping keep the internet free and open and then i am co-founder of a consultancy because the things that we learned in running an internet company are things that are useful to every business that's looking to grow we work with individual businesses with open eye to help them chart paths to growth And then with I2 Coalition, we provide a voice for the whole industry. So when would I call you up? When would I go to OpenEye and say like, hey, Christian, let's do business together? So what we often do is help companies that are operating and really need to change, figure out how to build like a pivot plan. Like the idea is that it's very hard as a business owner to what we say, fly the plane and fix the plane at the same time. So we'll help them build change plans that allow them to continue to operate their business while they're slowly shifting into like the way that they want it to grow. And we'll oftentimes get our hands dirty. I have a big network of independent consultants who can help get in and actually do a lot of the work that companies have um, to do so that we're not just a traditional consultancy handing you a report where we can actually get our hands dirty and help do some of the work. Excellent. So we know a little bit about your business. Um, to all the listeners out there, this was the commercial part. And now we're going into the technical side of it. Okay. We talked earlier a little bit about social media, about internet. Let's try to differ it a little bit um, on the topic. I mean, from my technical understanding, that's why I guess the change of the world hosting uh, day changed to the CloudFest. Uh, yeah. Because this was this new word popping up of the last years. But when I'm listening to you, I mean, it was always cloud, wasn't it? Because a server was literally always a hosting service where the internet was just a layer connecting all those um, servers. So cloud, is it just um, a new word for an old thing? I think you've nailed it. That's exactly right. For a while, um, there were people handing out these stickers and it said, the cloud is just somebody else's computer. That's a good one. <laughs> yeah. So when, when I mean, just data security, data protection, all that thing, yeah. what Germany is very, very aware of. And uh, maybe you could call it a German angst um, to say, like, well, it doesn't matter um, because your, your data is accessible anyway from everywhere. So don't go uh, on, uh, on social media then if you're afraid of data. But certainly it won't be your Word document lying on a, on a server. What is your take on that one? I mean, 
on the one side, everything is going to the cloud, which is the hosted right. service, literally. But then we have ad blockers. We have VPN. Um, I mean, do we have to hide and, and seek in the internet if our data is anyway accessed by anyone, literally, or could be accessed by anyone, literally? I firmly believe that we've normalized giving up a lot of our privacy, probably too much, and that little steps we can take to try to reclaim that makes us feel better. I mean, the fact is that generally social media, they're advertising environments, and the more they can learn about you, the better they can um, serve you ads. So they want to gather up as much information as you're willing to give them. If you're not comfortable with all that being out there into the world uh, and letting somebody else monetize your personal data, VPNs are a good idea. Getting off social media could be a good idea. Making sure that you're really careful about filling out surveys, the information that you're providing to third parties. It's in your control to like, be privacy conscious online. But most people, they like free stuff. They like free social media. They like to not pay for Facebook. Then they slowly get used to like, oh, well, I'll, I'll tell you that. I'll tell you that too. And they willfully give up their freedom and their privacy. So you think that people are too little thoughtful about um, that? Or what do you say, like, come on? I mean, my mom always yeah. tells me, well, they know anything anyway. So I don't care. I don't need yeah. this whole ad blocking thing. And um, eventually they know anything anyway. Do you think that's uh, wrong thinking like that? Or what do you say, like, come on, just be a little bit more careful? I mean, it's personal preference. I don't want to get into anybody's business. I want people to have the right. And, and part of having the right to opt out of those types of systems is to be able to understand those systems. I think we need more education so people can make uh, smart decisions. Your mom may say that, but has your mom been educated about what information is out there about her and through what mechanisms? I think we should be able to know, you know what's being gathered about us and how so we can make smart decisions. But how can I look that up, for instance, if I want to know what's out there from Michael Mack? Do you type in an internet address and say, like, who is, like, you would search uh, a web page? Well, you're in Europe. I'm not in Europe. And GDPR gives you certain rights. So you can go to individual websites, and you can start with the big social media places, and you can ask them what data they have on you. You can review it. Thank you so much, Christian. That was just a little glimpse of our talk. Second part next week. Michelle Mack presents The World Beyond. Emotion is of tomorrow. A Mac One production.